We are live. All right. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Joe. I'm Derek. And I'm Matt. And we are the host of Beats, Balls, and Bourbon, the official video podcast of The Groove Machine, Loose City Supported Drumline. We are members of the Coopers and uh, also jump over with the uh, Scouse's House folks every now and then. We have a great guest today, ladies and gentlemen, Coach John Hackworth. Thank you, sir, so much for doing this. We really, really appreciate it. Um, but first, just want to say hello to everybody and let you know who everybody is. The, uh, the gentleman to my right is the commander of social media, our, uh, the man that steers the ship. How are you, Derek? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. good. I hope everybody liked that loading screen. Yes, Derek came up with a new load-up screen. He's and, been working uh, hard. Yes, he has. He's been doing a lot of stuff, and we really appreciate that. I mean, he does a lot of good work with this stuff. Um, the person on the ones, twos, and fours. The audio consigliere. Yes, that would be you. <laughs> Matt Owens, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, yeah. and uh, I'm doing okay, I guess. It's been an interesting 72 hours, mm-hmm. I think, yep. <laughs> to say the least. Um, but, um, Coach, we'll get to, uh, I can't wait to talk to you about this stuff and about everything. I've mm-hmm. really been looking forward to having you on here. Just some announcements. Uh, number one, um, we want to mention the other shows. We have uh, Bowerproof Podcast, uh, which is on Tuesdays, or usually Tuesdays. Uh, we have Scouse's House that we're hoping checking out on Thursdays. I did talk to Evan. Evan and Andy are going to be leaving that show pretty soon. Uh, well, not pretty soon, but in a while. But hopefully somebody else from Scouse's House will pick that up. Uh, and then you have Soccer City Radio on Saturday mornings. Hoping mm-hmm. you're watching that as well. A couple of announcements before we get to this other stuff. Um, you all know that we're we'll doing the Harbor House uh, deal for the mini marathon. Something that uh, Katie McCorder uh, mentioned, uh, who's one of the people that are doing it. You know, you don't have to do the entire mini marathon. You also have the option of doing the marathon relay, and that's four people. You can do as little as a 5K, so that, and you don't have to run. So, you know, if you're interested, please, we're, we really want to turn this into a great fundraiser. We are looking at February 22nd uh, to do our open house there. It'll be 12 to 4. Had a meeting with the folks there. And what we're looking to do is uh, the residents there or the people that go there possibly doing a, a, a banner painting of some sort. They would really love to do something like that. So to have people... Join us to do that uh, on the and plus there's going to be an open house. There's going to be tours. We're going to be doing a show there. Uh, we're going to be talking. Hopefully we have a couple of great guests for that as well. So hopefully you'll be there for that. Also this Saturday open uh, it's open house for Cooper's meeting. That will be Saturday at Hometown Pizza on Preston Highway from seven to nine. Hopefully you'll join us. Um, if there's anything else that you guys want to add before we start uh, start this, uh, am I missing any announcements? Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas. New Year. Might be time to fire up some Christmas music because we have a great surprise. We do? Yes, we do. Uncle Luigi. Okay. <laughs> Uncle, he found out about this. Yeah. He found, he, he's been keeping track down in Florida. You get those warrants settled? or The warrants are, okay. well, that's why he's not here. Oh. <laughs> he's still stuck okay. in state. <laughs> but, um, so if, he, but what he did do for us is that he wrote us a little... Everybody knows what's going on with the rebranding and blah, blah, blah. We'll get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Not not heavily, but a little bit. I have no idea what you're talking about. Thank you. <laughs> Does everyone like my not-at-all-controversial no. shirt? But if you start up that Christmas music there... Um, I can do that. I think... Maybe. Uh, Coach, or Uncle Luigi, decided to write a little bit of a parody. He says it's a, um, a, a, Christmas, a Christmas poem about the entire events of the last 72 hours... And I think it's a little... I think he stole this. Okay? This is... He calls it Twas the Week Before Freaking Christmas. So I'm going to read you what Uncle Luigi sent me. 
So, and this is apparently, what, this, this should encompass the last 72 I hours. I need a drink while you might, you, <laughs> you may want to have one or two. Okay, here we go. Uncle Luigi's twas the week before freaking Christmas. Twas about a week before Christmas, and all around the town, all the creatures were stirring, and they had a big frown. Their face was stuck to the screens with great care, and it seemed all at once they said, what the hell's going on over there? All the people, they were restless and snug in their beds. Then they saw this new logo and started bashing lumps in their heads. All the, all the moms in their hoodies and a dad in a cap seemed to all say together, hey, what's up with this crap? <laughs> and all over Twitter arose such a clatter. Well, I was just sitting around thinking, hey, I wonder if Santa got any fatter. So away to my computer, I flew like a flash to see the new uh, Lucidy gear and give him my cash. Now, the colors on the crest of the newly minted logo made me say, eh, okay, this is something I could go show. What? And uh, what to my wandering eye should appear? They changed the name on the logo and the line didn't connect. Uh-oh, there's going to be some freaking problems around here. Now my eyes, they were dotting so lively and quick. And I said to myself, uh, is something playing a trick? So, uh, more rapid than eagles to Facebook I came. And I typed while I shouted as I called the drummers by name. Oh, Kathy, oh, Kaylee, oh, Matthew, oh, Derek. Oh, the rest of you is Mama Mia. Everybody's going to be hysteric. Get away from the porch. Lean yourself against the wall. Because if you don't look hard enough, you may decide to take a great big tumble and fall. As dry leaves before the wild hurricanes fly, came the tweets that were so salty you could even hear them cry. So up through the airways, the post and the tweets flew. And I shrugged before dozing off and I said, hey, what the hell are you going to do? But... Then, as a dream, I saw on the roof a guy that I knew holding a bottle of 100 proof. As I drew out my hand, he started climbing down, and to my doorstep, St. Brad came with a bound. He was all dressed up in purple, and his head from his head to his foot, and he looked a little weary from the beating the FO it just took. A bundle of new logos, ideas he flung on his back for all the supporters to pick and consider out of the pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. But he gave me a weird look. I forgot to put on a shirt. Man, I'm kind of hairy. <laughs> he opened up his backpack that was drawn up with a bow. With all the new ideas for the supporters he would show. And now the supporters were smile and showing their teeth. Except a couple of mamalukes who won't let it go who I'd like to strangle with a wreath. We all had a smile on our face and a laugh in our bellies. Like when you get a nice prosciutto sandwich from your neighborhood deli. For the first time in over a day I finally felt like myself. I wore a stupid grin when it was over. You know, like that uh, elf on the shelf. With a wink and an eye and a twist of his head. Soon, uh, St. Brad uh, gave me to know that we had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word. But with new ideas went back to work. All filled with uh, these duties we knew the FL would not shirk. And with thumbs up like Fonzie, oh, and a sniff of his nose. He gave us a nod with the class he always shows. And he sprang to his car and he gave us a whistle. And since he has a lead foot, he took off like a freaking missile. And we all did exclaim as he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas, Lucidy. Thanks for making this right. Okay. Now, not making fun of anybody when I say that. That was beautiful. Thank that, you. Yes. I apologize. I hope I didn't put anybody in a weird spot by doing that. <laughs> but the whole idea is, 
Wait, wait, wait. I'm not supposed to feel like I'm in a weird spot. I, I no. Can I curse on this thing? Uh, a little bit, a little. I don't know. It's up to you. Holy cow. <laughs> the thing is, is that um, all I wanted to say. Now, first of all, I did want to mention that Mike Bromelow, Scouse, called me today. He wanted to say that Scouse's house has nothing but appreciation for everybody for what they've done in the last 72 hours to turn this whole deal in. Um, I also, uh, you know, I talked about Monty, the Black Sheep guys. They're cool. A little bit later, there's something that uh, Matt Dalton from the Coopers um, wanted me to read. I'll read that in a little bit. Everything in the last 72 hours tells me everything about what I love about being part of this deal is that they listened. You know, there was, look, the, to, to pretend that people were not upset about that is to pretend that it didn't happen. And we're not going to do that. But what they did do was amazing. Uh-huh. And uh, we want to thank Brad and all the guys, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but sorry, I hope that wasn't weird. It was weird. Was that weird? <laughs> it was weird? a little weird. I apologize. <laughs> I, mean, oh. I hope you can understand where I'm sitting. Of course, of course, and, uh, of course. But I would echo what you just said. Like, right. uh, our front office and our club cares about our supporters and you guys specifically more than we care about anything else. And right. like, you're the the heart of what we are. And, and I thought Brad and... And the front office came out with a very bold Absolutely. reaction. I think it was the right one. Right. So, um, yeah, that's. I, I didn't want to spend a lot of time. It takes a lot of takes a lot of guts to do it. What Brad mm-hmm. did specifically, and and uh, you know, we're all behind him. We're together in this. Absolutely. We're gonna try to make it right. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for coming on. Um, do have a um, some stuff I wanted to ask you about. Basically, <clears throat> and all of this is just background. I mean. I've never, I mean, I've, I, first of all, you were on uh, uh, the uh, Scouse's House thing a couple times, and those are great. They do a great job on those things, I think. And I just, I, where did you grow up? I mean, where are you from originally, and, and, and how did you get into playing soccer? I was born and raised in Dunedin, Florida, which is just west of Tampa okay. on the Florida Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got into Tampa, uh, to, to soccer because my family kind of introduced me to it. Okay. But, um, at that time, um, I'm going to date myself, was the mid-70s, and yeah. the NASL was the, oh, the major so soccer well, league I believe, in this country. I remember, I remember it well. And the Tampa Bay Rowdies, one of our, our now uh, major competitors. Yeah. Um, so I grew up going to Tampa Bay Rowdy games, and, and like you guys, I, I just became a huge fan of the sport, and uh, there was some... Great players on those teams, and uh, who's the guy from England? It was um, Ronnie Marsh. Marsh, Marsh, golly, I remember. There was a couple from England. Uh, we had a good relate. The club had a relationship with Queens Park Rangers at that time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that league was amazing, and you know, for the American soccer fan that doesn't know it, uh, it, it was? was truly incredible. All the best, some of the I... best players in the world were in that league, and as a young, you know, six, seven year old kid uh, going to watch those games was truly amazing it, it it you know instilled that passion in me to be a lifelong uh fan of the game i was a huge cosmos fan oh yeah huge. i went to giant stadium for like four years four or five years we used to go to games all the time my dad's italian my mom's spanish so we said pele Giorgio canalia all those guys it was so amazing and that league that's something that ricky people davis go, ricky davis oh my gosh Warner roth i mean go down the list yeah. chef messing the whole list of guys that were on the national team when the national team was you know, nobody knew, but it wasn't like today where you had, you know, all the all the marketing and all the television you see constantly. You'd have to go look in the paper to see what happened if they played a game in the 80s. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And, um, <clears throat> but Joe, like at that time, I mean, in, in Tampa, we were normally getting crowds in the mid-20s. 
thousands. Right, right. And I remember watching the Cosmos and Pele and the old Tampa Stadium, which is nicknamed the Sombrero, right. was sold out. And I was sitting in the back, the very back row, watching mm-hmm. uh, the game. And I believe it was in the the seventy thousand range of, of right. Giant Stadium would get to the seventh. They'd sold out several times. I know. I remember going to research stuff because I wrote a paper a couple of years ago um, about what the NASL used to do. Tampa Bay had a um, their their high average was about twenty eight thousand for yeah. a couple of years. I mean that's why when people talk about MLS and, and stuff like that, that this is. I mean it's great that it's there. I'm not saying it's not, but that this happened before. And then right. you go back to like the in, in the Cascadia rivalry with Tampa Bay. Oh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Vancouver, uh, Portland, and Seattle. They used to draw like sixty thousand at those games back in the seventies too. That was a wild rivalry. Yeah, and so. Your so the point. Was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't go I, off on a. That's <laughs> how I became a, a, a fan of the game. I think that's my awesome. dad. My dad introduced me to it. He would watch uh, uh, the the PBS show that was on. In the, I think believe it was Sunday mornings. You know, right, right. soccer yes. in Germany. And, oh yes. Uh, but you know it, and I played all sports growing up. Okay. Um, it was just the the environment we lived in. Um, but soccer was the the sport that. And captured me the most, and and thank goodness has led me to having a, a nice life as a, a player and coach. So, at what point do you commit to just playing soccer? I mean, is there a certain point do you remember? Or yeah, I committed to just playing soccer um, really around age sixteen. Okay. Which now people would say is That's late. late. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Really, I mean, when you're talking about being an athlete, you have to develop all kind of skills. Okay. And so, I mean, I think. Whether it was me playing basketball or playing pickup, you know, uh, football or or playing baseball, I played baseball for a long time. These are all skills that you need to acquire. And, right. and you know, as a, a soccer player, you know, I happen to I'm biased. I feel like soccer players are, you know, unique athletes. They have to be very skillful, right. very tactical um, in their decision making. Um, but the way you move your body. All the sports that I grew up playing, I think, have helped me um, okay. be a soccer player. And so I tend not to believe all this recent uh, idea that you have to kind of specialize okay. at an early age. Oh, that's um, really cool. That's good because yeah, you hear all these youth programs. I still have friends back in Carney that one of my buddies, uh, he, ha- he coaches a, a U8 team. And, and they're picking people, like they're, look, they're scouting kids at eight years old. That's weird. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that's you, weird. Like if you go back to guys in Carney and uh, mm-hmm. you know, like that I Ramos grew up playing with, and 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 Miola and uh, 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 Harks. Yeah. But even before that, you know, people that get into the history of this game, and you start talking about um, uh, McLean and going all the way back to o- O'Connor, guy, uh, and then uh, Archie Stark. I mean, they they had a history of massive great players from that town. Right. But all those guys you just named, we all grew up playing multiple sports. Okay. And we all grew up playing more pickup soccer than we Miola was a great soccer. baseball player. Tony Miola was a fantastic baseball player. Big Tones. He was he yeah. he could do anything. Right. Or at least right. he said he could do he anything. Said he could. <laughs> <laughs> I believe him. Yeah, well he was a great athlete and the guy right behind him. It's the other thing was a Sal Rose Amelia was his backup keeper who ended up playing in Fort Lauderdale a little bit. I mean he was all over the place. It was it was a, a crazy town. So I wanted to ask you about when you started playing professionally, because I don't know when that happened. I... So I graduated college in 1992, okay. and um, really didn't, there wasn't many opportunities to play professional in this country unless you played uh, indoor, indoor soccer, really. Yeah. Right. And so at that time, my idea, um, I played at Wake Forest University. We were a really good team, played in the ACC 
against yeah, some of the guys that you just named. Fantastic teams back then. And we, you know, we're a good team. I think we were ranked as high as three in the country. So, um, any, anyway, um, my idea at that time was to try to pursue a career outside of soccer. Um, but couldn't really get away from it. So we played my first professional league we played in was called the USDSL. Um, Gosh. You're going to have to do a lot of you research, research on that one. Yeah. You know, one. Um, wow. But it, it's an early version of what the USL is now, mm-hmm. to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I think the USL uh, was called the USISL. Okay. Um, and so the team that I played for was called the Carolina Crunch. And our team was really good. Like, we had the best players in the ACC. It was like an ACC all-star team. Okay. Um, but like most of those leagues, it was fledgling. I mean, it was... You know, the pay was erratic if you got paid. Um, Sounds like playing gigs. That sounds very familiar. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, it it led into the A-League, and the last last team I played for uh, in in that stretch was a team called the Carolina Dynamo. Okay. It was based out of uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. So, um, you know, I I can't claim to be a, a long professional, but... Um, at that time, I tried to grind away as much as I could while trying to be, uh, you know, proactive in right. building my coaching resume and and trying to uh, look a little farther forward than just being a soccer player. Right. Okay. I, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I'm going to ask you because you, you experienced playing in a university, a great school, Wake Forest, Virginia back then was fantastic. Okay. North Carolina, I think back in the early '90s, they were really, really good schools. Back uh, then. All, all the ACC schools, ACC schools were, were amazing. Phenomenal. Clemson. Clemson was another great side. That's right. I mean, Duke, Chapel Hill, NC State, or mm-hmm. Tab went to. When I first went into the ACC, I mean, NC State was one of the best teams in wow. uh, the history of college soccer. So, okay. so now. Your experience, obviously, there's a ton of experience doing the academy thing um, versus the university system and the struggles maybe that we're having a little bit trying to work that out. Because it seems like all the conversation that I see, especially on, on, on even now the women's side, is is that something, what are the pluses and minuses of either? I mean, I, I don't know what's better, I don't know what's worse. I mean, it seems like it's a little bit of a struggle in this country to figure this out a little bit, is it? I mean, yeah, are I wrong? Mean, I could spend hours. Okay, okay. I, 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 I don't want to. I, I, I'll, I'll try to simplify it. So when I was in uh, the U.S. residency program, was the under seventeen national team, mm-hmm. and that was uh, based out of IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. And this is around two thousand five, two thousand six, and all these MLS teams were starting, had the idea to start youth programming. Okay, and the soccer federation said, "What's the best way to?" to train you know, young um, players so that they develop to their fullest. And, and our program that was begun, the residency program begun in 1999, was hands down the best developmental okay. program. And so the idea is really simple. If you wanted to be an elite soccer player, you needed to train more than most youth clubs were training at that time. Most of the times, there was two training sessions a week, and you would play Multiple, yeah, mul- wow. and you would play multiple games on the weekends. You know, sometimes two on Saturday, one on Sunday, mm-hmm. and that's really not a good model. Yeah. So when we initially started the U.S. Development Academy, it was to just try to emulate what we were doing in the under seventeen national team program in residency, and mm-hmm. it's a really simple, you know, formula. We trained five days a week, we played one day a week, we had one day of rest, okay. and the games that we played 
they had to be meaningful games, meaning they had to be games of your feelings are that, you're that you had to have all right? the the rhythms, the emotions of how to go out there and be your absolute best. So that if that meant we were playing against men or international teams uh, within the rules of the game that are the FIFA rules, different from American rules of of our sport, mm-hmm. which are that's great. The, the, the countdown. We're the, we're the only country that has for high school or college or we have really crazy rules I'm interrupted but the first time I went to a U of L game they started counting down because I wasn't really I I was paying attention to the game but I wasn't paying attention to the clock I had no idea the first thing I noticed was the substitutions and they're like why are they taking them out so early well Mm -hmm. they'll bring it back later and and I was like okay and then they started counting down I'm like what are you Anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It was, no, I, I understand what saying. It's a, it's, it, was, it was very eye-opening, the that, difference. That's part of it. Like, in, in in the international game, you get, like, in professional game, you get three substitutions. And right. once you're out, you're out. Right. There's no re-entry. And so that was the idea, is that for young players to play this game and to understand it uh, to their best of their ability, they had to be able to manage it in the right way. It's a very player-centric game in that sense. Okay. So if you're a young player and you have to know how hard you have to work, meaning how many efforts is it going to take? How do you recover? You know, what decisions do you have to make to be able to go from the first whistle to the last whistle? Much different than if your coach is subbing you in and out of the game every five minutes, giving you a cup of Gatorade, giving you a pep talk, telling you what to do differently, and then putting you back in the game, which is more uh, American-centric than what we see in a lot of other American sports. Um, And that is not what soccer is it's not what football is around the world um so that was the initial idea now it has evolved into being much more than that it's now a league if you will and um you know i think there's a lot of good concepts if we if we would have just stuck with those basics probably would have been great i think it has evolved now into being you know there's there's a lot of different ideas and there's a lot of people out there who say they're experts in in player development Right. Uh, and and really, we're talking about league play more mm-hmm. than anything, and we're not talking about how young people train and how young people develop. And that's what we should, as a country and as a soccer country, trying to be able to figure out a little better. And I think well, something you said before is really really cool. You talk about holistically speaking, uh, an athlete focusing on soccer so super young versus what you were saying, a high school kid. Can still develop at 16, 17 years old, roughly. I mean, am I, did I misinterpret that? No, yeah, I think you got okay. it right. I mean, for for kids these days, and I mean, I've, I've had three sons, and they have stuck more to soccer than anything else. That's mm-hmm. what our family has. You know, they've grown right, up right. in that environment. But I mean, we we try to make sure that they were good at everything, whether it was tennis, you know, whether they um, played hockey right, in, right, in right. their parking lot, you know, whatever it was. Um, because being an athlete means you, you have to acquire so many skills and specifically to our sport of soccer, I mean, the balance and coordination and just movement that you have to be able to control your body, let alone do that and control, you know, around ball um, is incredible. So there's even beyond the athletic thing. The one thing that I loved about soccer as a young kid, I was a musician as a very young kid, was the artist, the art, the artistry of it, because there is. You know, both brains are both sides of the brain are engaged. There's yep. there's there's art to that. It's so beautiful when you watch people doing that. As opposed, not that I have a problem. I love I love NFL football. Stop. You know, it's very militaristic almost. I mean, it really is. Stop. Strategize. Hit somebody. Stop. Do it again. As opposed to soccer. Um, do you think that developing 
soccer players with non-athletic skills is very important. I think to me it's it is. I mean, when you start talking about the artistry of it and and developing that side of it too, because there's so much of that that goes on. I mean, am I missing something there? Is no, that, you that? can't. You can't have one without the other. Okay. Um, it, it is a sport that is very science. Half of it's science, and half of it is art. Okay. And and like a musician, you need to ply your trade and develop it as much as you possibly can. But when you get to the the creativity part of it, the imaginative part of it, it takes an artist, and it takes yeah. an artist's brain to, to really understand it. And that's what the you know, some of the decision-making uh, comes out. And, you know, I've debated many coaches who I respect and some that I don't um, <laughs> about, you know, whether you should just run a, a drill and say you should play from A to B and B to C. And I like the idea of, hey, I get to choose a... B right, or C. right, right, right. That's that's some, there's, there's, there's an if and or an if or that goes on. And, and But even within that motion and direction matters so much and when you just if you were to take the bodies off of it and just somehow make it two-dimensional and just make them points of light it's beautiful there's something literally beautiful about it um when did you start coaching I, you said you 2000 i really started coaching before i even left college okay um, my coach was walt chisowitz and and that name might might not ring a bell to anybody listening but he was was no 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 he was the, the national team coach mm -hmm. in 1980. Um, he was the Olympic team coach in 1984 yeah, I, I, uh, when the U.S. boycotted the, the Summer Olympics. Yeah. He started all the coaching schools in this country. And at the time, as a you know teenager and, and playing for him through my collegiate years, I mean, he was an icon in the sport in this country. And um, he saw in me something that said, hey, you know, this, this guy can be a coach. And he kept on telling me that. And... I had this idea of going off to med school and whether it's being a doctor or a physician assistant or something and he kept on telling me now you're going to be a coach you're going to you <laughs> have what it takes to be a coach and so um it's a long story but he basically told me that i had to now start looking uh and recruiting uh when i was uh, just at the end of my college career he said you have to go out and start recruiting for me and i said coach what do i have to recruit you know he said, well, we're going to start a women's program at Wake Forest. Okay. And you're going to go around to these tournaments, and you're going to pick the best players that you see. And I said, Coach, what, what am I looking for? Like, I'm 22, 23 years old, and, you know, uh, what, what I did. And he's like, just if you see somebody out there, if you see a female that has special qualities, you bring that back, tell us about her. Okay. And so... Um, that's how I got started because he, he put me in charge of being the club coach at Wake Forest. I became the assistant women's coach a year later. Wow. And that kind of segued into me being a, a full-time coach while I was still trying to play professionally. Wow, okay. so you're trying to do both at the same time, which I guess at the, at the time, in order to sustain well, really, financially, was, you don't have much of a choice. I wasn't making enough money yeah, playing pro, I'll tell you that. <laughs> how great would it have been, though, if you could have gone in and said, Hi, I'm Dr. Hack. That would have been nice. <laughs> you would have had to be a surgeon at that point. <laughs> Look, I was making, this is a true story. I made more money playing in the Sunday league Come on. than I did in the, the Saturday professional Golly, league. And wow. The Sunday league was a, a mixed ethnicity league. And right. um, I played for this, this Mexican restaurant. And truly, more money that way than I did playing professionally. Were there any players from back then that um, when you were playing back in that, that we, if you're from, like I'm 50, I'm turned 55 this year. Were there players back then that 
we might recognize some of the older folks. Were there anybody? Sure, like I mean Eddie Pope Golly, uh, was yeah. on that team. One of the most underrated American players ever. Gosh, I loved him. Yeah, I mean, it, man, again, you go yeah. back. He played at Carolina. Um, he's a North Carolina kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, if you played in the ACC at that time, um, when I was playing, you know, you knew everybody that was playing collegiately because you grew up playing against them at some point. Okay. Um, and whether it was from Kearney, New Jersey, or yeah. you know, North Carolina, or the Dallas guys, mm-hmm. um, we all kind of knew who each other was, and that kind of evolved into playing against each other um, post college. Again, really separate because when you uh, when you got into the men's outdoor leagues, you had half the guys that played indoor right. would claim some injury at the end of their indoor year, pick up workman's comp from indoor, and then go play outdoor <laughs> and do the same thing from outdoor to indoor. That's that was just awesome. a racket that it was that at that is, time. Hey, you gotta get paid. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Eventually, you get into professional coaching full time. Um, with any whatever. I mean, there's. What's the what's it like walking into a stadium the first time you're, you're coaching a Division One team? I mean, there's got to be something that just makes you go whoa, you know? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's uh, it's a special feeling. With you know, um, I became a, a college coach, a head coach when I was 28 years old, so wow. I was pretty young. That is young. Um, moved from Wake Forest, where I had been the uh, men's assistant coach for four years after one year being the women's assistant, mm-hmm. uh, to being the head coach at, at South Florida. And you know, college soccer is what it is, and it was. I was there for a total of nine years, and it was great. Um, I then moved to being an, uh, a national team coach with the under seventeen as an assistant coach. And to your question, anytime you walk into an arena and you're really proud of what you're representing, and there's fans that are um, now walking into to Slugger in the last two years, and next year walking into the Lynn Family Stadium, it's an incredible feeling. Um, it's it's not without its stress. It's yeah. not without without its pressures. But it's uh, I'm very privileged and and fortunate to be in those positions. And I, and I understand how you know important it is. I understand that you guys uh, put that importance on it. And I just try to do the job to the best of my ability. And and you also see not just the quality of the play on the field, but the infrastructure of the of the pro teams just dramatically explode over the last few years. We talked about that with Niall. Um, five years ago, to join a USL team, basically you drove in your car. <laughs> it seems like anyway to to a, to a tryout, right? And now they're scouting. It's it's so much different. I mean, uh, how parallel is is the infrastructure grown even more? Is it about the same as the quality, or is it you know? No, I mean, it's, I, it's it continually gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I went from the national team to the MLS, right, uh, and then back to the national team program, and then to the USL. Um, so I've definitely gone through the full spectrum of, of levels in the United States. Uh, and each has its own unique characteristics. At the end of the day, when you're talking about the evolution of the game, I mean, in just the, really the two seasons I've been here, it's phenomenal, the growth of not only our club, but of the league as a whole, and how our competitors are, are clubs that we're battling for you know, playoff spots and eventually for trophies. Um, that everyone's trying to raise the bar constantly. Yeah, and um, it's not just the quality of, of the play on the field. And obviously, because we're starting to see some, we talked about this the last show too, you've got Landon Donovan owning a team, but basically he does everything. I think he's going to be selling peanuts too. And then you've got uh, um, you know, uh, Tim Howard, GM, down <coughs> in Memphis, and having national team legends at the U.S. level doing USL stuff. 
I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you think about it, going back to the times when you're watching. We're probably watching the same teams that sound a little older, but, I mean, I remember when they played Tampa Bay in the Cosmos. That was a great rivalry. It really was. And then going from that, and then the time where just everything disappears, and then to see it grow like this, to have that level name being involved with USL teams, I'm just amazed at that. I just... And it's only going to get better, I think. I... Yeah, well, look, I've, I've been at the MLS. Now I've been here, and I, I would choose the coach in the USL. You, you couldn't, well, maybe you could pay me enough money. <laughs> right. Um, no one try, please. I, we like him. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> I don't think answer. so. Yeah. To, to be fair, and I think Landon and Tim both recognize that, too. They both have a lot of experience in the MLS. And nothing, I'm not trying to bash the MLS. But sure, it's a sure. different yeah. league. It's a single-entity league. It's right. where... The league owns all the players, everything. and and the pathways to trying to choose as a club how you select players is so much more complicated than the USL. Cam and Tam and Sam and Bam. I just, just I lose, I lose like, track. I, I don't I like when they do these transactions for Tam. Like they just had that with uh, Bradley. Something happened where he was traded or he signed, and something happened with three hundred thousand dollars of Tam or something. And I'm sitting there going, trying to explain to my cousin who I talk to regularly. He lives in Spain. He lives in Real Madrid. He's like, what are you all doing? What are, you know? And I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. There's good things about MLS. There's, you know, I'm not one of those guys that does that. It, it's it, if you make it confusing, people are going to be confused by it. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't avoid not saying that. Regard. I mean, people in the league say that. You know, so yeah, it's it's complicated. Is the yeah. easiest way to put it, and it is a little convoluted. To be fair, mm -hmm. um, I used to talk about it being like a game of Monopoly. And you knew, never knew where the money was coming from. You never knew how the money was getting spent. Uh, and and it, while it has evolved, I'm not sure they've sorted out those those pathways to how to um, bring players in and out of the league. Again, I'm glad it's doing so well. Yeah, I me think too. We're all me benefiting too. from it. Absolutely. But at the same time, when you when you look around and you see some of the coaches. Uh, that are coming from MLS experience now into the USL or players, players. like Landon or Tim mm -hmm. uh, that are now choosing to, to work within the USL, I, I think there's a reason. And it's because the game is at this level. It's a high-level game. The fan bases are incredible. They're growing uh, the game in smaller markets. And yet you have so much more control about the product that you put on the field. Right, right. And I guess one thing I definitely wanted to ask you was the difference of, I mean, you, you've, you've coached young kids, kids that aren't even out of high school yet. And then you've coached guys in their 30s. And um, what are the what's the difference, the challenges? Are there differences, the challenges between coaching an older person who's a professional and then you have to relate to a younger kid? I mean, what, what would be the, are there any differences? I, yeah, there, there's definitely differences, but I, I would say that it comes down to being a teacher. And if you're, if you're a teacher, then it's just your job as a teacher to relate to your student, um, what you're trying to teach and how you're trying to, to get those messages across. Um, you know, I loved when I was coaching my my sons, and when they were seven, eight, nine years old. I mean, passing along some of the experience that I had as a higher level coach just meant that I was trying to get them to see things at, at a little higher level than maybe they could conceptualize, but I really just wanted them to have fun. You right, know? And right. if they fell in love with playing, and, and like that's why I fell in love with this game, because I love it, you know, and I enjoy it. So in every part of what I've done, whether it was coaching professionals or coaching nine-year-olds or coaching the best, you know, 16 and 17-year-olds in the country, it's with the idea of how can I take them from a place where they are 
and improve them, but also still uh, still being able to have fun with the game and making sure that they enjoyed it mm-hmm. as much as they uh, understood how much work and dedication and commitment it took to get better. Right, and, and younger kids, I think, are much more malleable, obviously, because when you're older, you know everything. And <laughs> it's not the same. It, it's nowhere near the same. I was really involved in um, teaching competitive music, marching bands, drum corps. The adult groups, they knew everything. You know, they, you know what do you mean? What I mean is what I'm telling you. Either you're going to fix it or you're not. I, I don't know. You know, as opposed to kids, they're just sit there and they just, they want to suck up information. Well, and, if, you know, you're, if you're a good teacher, I think that you you get that out of all of your, your you know, pupils, if you will. And so right. I, I tell this story before I got here when I was, a, I was a men's assistant coach. And at the time I was working for Bruce Arena. Yeah. And um, I had worked with Landon Donovan. Um, really? Wow. At, at when he was younger, right, 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 at the under seventeen level, uh, and then now he here he is. He's the star of the national team. Right. So we had a little bit of a relationship, but I hadn't really, you know. And he's now he was just coming back off of playing in a World Cup uh, yeah. in Korea, where he was one of the stars. Lit it up, yeah, that was amazing. And my point to this whole story is, at the end of the day, he said, "Hey, you know, can can you help me do some finishing after the session?" and so we just took some balls and we're working on on some finishing and you know I tried to help him find a better way to to be a striker and if in any way you can do that to uh, an athlete at any level it doesn't matter whether they're nine or whether they're 29 years old they're going to appreciate that if you can help them get better and so you know I've always tried to find that way to connect to whether it is an older player or a younger player or in between and I think that's the key to trying to be a successful coach or teacher okay and, and then one thing before I, before we do um, a little bit of something here you you, you finish um, w- when you finish a tournament with the kids with the younger kids um, is there a real uh, emphasis on winning tournaments or development I mean that's always something I was wondering about is that you know, I, I, what kind of tournament? So. Let's say like a national tournament. Let's say like you got the U17s in some sort of international tournament. I mean, there's still level of development. I mean, it, it, that's just the way it works. But st- everybody wants to win. So I don't know if if there's decisions that that are forced on coaches that you're like, look, do we want to do this with this? We want to do that with that, and you have to work within that framework, or is it like, hey man, go in? I I I I, I don't know how that works, and I'm just curious about it. I think every coach has their own philosophy and every, you know, uh, hierarchy of whether you're with a national team and administration and um, there's an emphasis on winning or there's an emphasis on development. Mm-hmm. For me, I always tried to, to find that perfect balance between both. Right, okay. Um, so I absolutely wanted to win, yeah. okay? And that's important for player development. I mean, it's impossible to develop players without putting an emphasis on being successful. Yeah. And at the same time, you have to understand... Uh, especially when you're coaching young players, that the demands of, of a tournament play specifically. We, my last tournament play with the under-17 team, we were in India for the under-17 World Cup. And the first game we played, um, rolled out my 11 starters. The second game we played, you know, it was four days later, I knew I couldn't roll out all 11 of those guys. I was going to have to give guys that were second on the depth chart a really important opportunity. And my philosophy was always that that's more about player development than it is about winning. But trying to find the balance uh, in a tournament like that is really 
the key to being successful and being able to make sure those players have all the tools that they need to go forward in the game. Yeah, and it just I guess because it still has to be fun in a way, and fun winning is fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I know you've got a young kid, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what is what is that like raising a kid versus you know winning versus look, son? What is that like? I mean, I don't know. I I don't have kids, so I don't. I uh, Lincoln played uh, spring soccer last year, mm -hmm. and I I coached their team, which which is really difficult, uh, <laughs> but. So he came into it, um, really excited about soccer. Right. He, he really wanted to play. It's really, you know, he he was get up and go. And I have we went undefeated, and we were eight and zero. We won the little it was like the U six league title right, or whatever. Right, right. And I hate that they went undefeated. Right. I wanted them to lose at least half their games because okay. he hasn't even. It's six years old. It seems like. Yeah, he doesn't. He's like, oh, this is great. We get to, you know, we get to go to Mr. Gaddy's after the game because we won, and you know, all this other stuff. And they never lost. And I, there, I, I don't feel like he developed like that mentality about you know what happens when you lose. Right. So I kind of want to put him on like a bad team and let him experience that. That's what. Um, and that will help his development too because he sees all different playing styles. Yeah, and it's, it seems he'll, like, he'll get that enough, yeah. so just enjoy it while he can. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean, you can send him up to Cincinnati, although they might actually improve their quality. <laughs> and and, and it, like when teaching kids success and failure, it seems like for me, I mean, doing, doing the music thing, it seems like they got, they got sort of mushed together almost because we, it became, at least in that field, it became about camaraderie and whatever and whatever but you know what there's a trophy go get it and, and mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with going after a trophy and, and that's what I was, the reason I was asking you that is is, is because of the youth thing and, and maybe maybe you know how much of an emphasis winning becomes and how how healthy it can be you know what I'm saying that's really yeah, like I mean I don't know <clears throat> what your experience like coaching your son was but the if you go out to the normal soccer field on a Saturday and watch a youth soccer game, it is not about performance it's orientation. Mom rule. It is, <laughs> it's rule. It's about winning and losing. It's and intense. You know, you, you have the the story that people tell all the time of would you would you yell at your kid in the middle of a piano recital, or would you just sit back and 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 right. okay, he missed that note, he got that one right. You know, would you silently be so proud if he got through the whole thing without messing up? And that's what, honestly, you know, soccer parents and coaches should be more like because this is a performance-based art sure. and skill. And so, you know, I, I, I dread and I did. I, I had some many, many battles out on the youth soccer fields. I was a head coach of the Philadelphia Union, MLS right. head coach. Right. And I, at times, people didn't know who I was, kind of like in Louisville. Nobody right, knows right, who right. I am. <laughs> and, uh, you know, had had other coaches or parents tell me I wasn't doing something right. And it's amazing, <laughs> like, the craziness youth sports are in this country. So I didn't mean to get on a soapbox. No, 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 please. That, that's it is that's stuff that people need to hear. No, everybody hears. <clears throat> nobody listens. I had parents come up to me, you know, why are you running shooting drills? And I'm like, well, I, I want them to learn how to shoot. And they're like, why aren't you having them scrimmage? And I'm like, well, you just want me to, you know, pack run them up and down the field? And like, I, you know, I want to at least teach them something. Um, but yeah, the the games, e even the U6 games were like intense. Right. What are you doing, Bobby? You're on, what are you doing? Don't go over there. I'm like, well, he's, he's six. Like, just, just let him go around. He's having fun. 
The first, he sees a butterfly. What do you want? <laughs> the first competitive drumline I taught, you know, it was, I had a parent come up to me and, the, you know, it was all about, we would do warm-ups. You know, everything's just, da, 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 and getting kids to learn how to do that. And it was like September and we weren't learning the show. I had a parent come up to me and say, why aren't you learning the show? And me as a young guy being a little bit sassy was like, well, why don't you go teach them? And it was like, that was a bad response. It was a bad response. But the whole thing was like, how about just trusting me in being able to help them out? <laughs> so I, it's, it's just hard. It's got to be hard. And, and that's, what, that's, the, that's the reason I was just curious about all of that. Um, why don't we, before we talk about Louisville, why don't we have a little bit of a, a little bit of a respite from soccer? Let's talk about Christmas. You want to talk about Christmas for a couple minutes? Sure. You want to fire up some music? Because I have a couple questions that I want to ask everybody. I closed that, so give me a second okay. here. But uh, I figured I have a couple questions. Every time we try to do a little bit of a, a little bit of a deal and see what people think about certain things, it's fun. And so I have some Christmas questions for everybody, <laughs> whatever holiday you support, by the way. Um, but uh, Matt's going to be uh, doing all right. There you go. Almost there. Hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I'm it. working here. Yeah. I keep wanting to. Matt, you got you got all the, the yeah, he's in charge. on display by the way. He's the man. Yes, he's got he's got all the. Those are going to be relics one day. I'm going to sell those on eBay. I'm not selling my shirt. I bought a shirt. I'm yeah. never sell it. They're going to bury me that. That's it. You know, you remember like when you used to get the tops error cards back in the '80s. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> Some Christmas questions. Are you ready? So number one, given a choice for a Christmas present, which would you rather have? Two front row tickets to see your favorite musician with dinner and a meet and greet, or a free weekend in Disney. Oh, the musician, easy. Okay. Musician, definitely. Musician. musician. Yeah, me too. Disney. Uh, I've been there, done that. Yeah. This, Disney weekend is also cheaper. I can. I think I can afford that. I'm pretty sure I can't afford the musician. Yeah, really? Epcot, Epcot's in pretty <clears> cool. You know what? You just said something. These concert tickets are insane. If you want that mm-hmm. kind of thing, that kind of package, like Alice Cooper was like 800 bucks for yeah. you. Like the, that kind of thing at uh, Louder Than Life is $1,000. Jeez. Scale of 1 to 10, how well do you wrap gifts? Me a one. <laughs> yeah, I'm a point three. Uh, you see, see the gift under the tree right there. Well, that's not bad. You tell me. It looks like about a six to me. Seven. Yeah. I'll, I'll take yeah. that. I'll take that. I'm about a four, but there's still tape on my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite holiday song? Oh man, I don't. No. Okay. Listen, this one's a good one. I like uh, this the is Charlie good. Brown uh, I lo- piano. So oh, I don't man. know what the name of The Charlie is, Brown but... specials were so amazing. What, whatever the opening song was to Die Hard, I'll take that one. Because it's a <laughs> holiday movie. Yep. It is not. It is not. I was going to ask you. It's a Christmas is, movie. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie or a movie that happens at Christmas? Both. And to answer the question about the song, let it snow. Okay. I'll take That's my favorite Christmas song. Let it snow. <laughs> okay. What do you think of? Are you a diehard? I, I don't think it's a Christmas movie at all. It's a movie that happens at Christmas. But, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't but, know. I mean, I was young when that, that right. movie was it's good coming movie. out. A great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not sure I associated it with all the things that. Hey, yeah, right. When I think of a Christmas movie, I think when I think of a Christmas movie, I don't think about yeah. shooting people. I mean, that's not that's not a holiday movie. If the spirit of Christmas is not defenestrating Alan Rickman, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. If your Christmas present was a kick around with any player that's ever lived, who would it be? Ooh, uh, somebody. Yeah, I've got plenty, so skip me. Bro. Okay. 
you answer that. For uh, me, Wayne Rooney. For I've me, always been a I, fan. Giorgio Canaglia. I always wanted to meet Giorgio Canaglia. I loved him. He was a striker with the Cosmos. Mm-hmm. He was, and he was such a character. Oh, he was such a character. What do you think? Young Cruyff. Wow. See, that's another great one of the world, one of the five greatest ever. He, no played, he played for the Washington Diplomats. Right, that's right. So uh, I got to see him play in Tampa Stadium. But he's truly, you know, one of the. What a character. He, the way he thought about the game was incredible. And, and he changed so many uh, players and coaches for, for so many years. So wish I had some time to, to pick his brain a little bit. He played one game for the Cosmos. He wore the once. I, I packed him on FIFA 20 the other night. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> I was really excited. He's I don't like, know what that means, but I'm happy for you. He, you open up packs. It's like Pokemon cards. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's, yeah, Kroof's on my team now. So okay. my team's awesome. Does, oh, I got oh, one. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Hector Marinero. Okay. You ever heard that name? Have you heard that name? Mm-hmm. So Hector Marinero played for the Cleveland Crunch. I played for the Cleveland Crunch for about six weeks. Um... <laughs> And it, it hurt. Um, but Hector, I never got to play with him, but I got to hang out with him. But I always wanted to have a kick around with him, and that never happened. Every time I you know, I played for the Carolina Crunch, and every time that I would say I played for the Crunch, people would say, hey, for, for Cleveland, Cleveland Crunch. Yeah. Well, they were one of the brands. Baltimore, too. Baltimore? The Baltimore Blast is Baltimore still around. Right. Yeah. I remember. Cleveland Crunch back in the day were, were one of the, the main names that you heard. And it was bizarre because when the game went indoor in the mid-80s, early 80s, the Cosmos tried to do one year as an indoor team. It was so weird going to Burner. It was called Burn Arena back then. And you'd go and see all these, and you'd be like, it's hockey. Yeah, you know, it was so weird. It was just yeah. it was very strange. I was in the, the dying years of brutal indoor soccer, and I yeah. paid for it. Two more. Question. Um, if you could describe a great gift that you once got for the holidays. Nintendo 64. <laughs> no, um, I remember when my mom got me the uh, Super Nintendo, and it had a Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Legend of Zelda. And I will never Still forget. I, oh my God, I was so hyped, and I can't. I will never age. forget spending many Golden sleepless age. nights. Golden Age. Yeah, many sleepless nights mm-hmm. playing Link to the Past all night. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Most of my Christmas stuff is pretty, pretty like run of the mill. I mean. Clothes, okay. sometimes candy, sometimes like a, a video game, but the most memorable one was Arkanoid. I don't remember. Oh, I love that game. game. I was great at that game. I used to be able to finish it in college. I would blow off college yeah. classes. I would finish it. I was in terrible college, at it. I was, I was a music major in college. We didn't go yeah. to school. <laughs> we never went to class. Coach, did you have anything that you remember? All right, and sticking with the, the game theme, uh, when I got Atari, um, that was fun. But I would say... When my, the first bike my mom and dad got me, like I love, I love cycling. So yeah. that was incredible because it kind of set me free in the world. And then my wife got me a surfboard, which I, in the later part of my life, surfing became a really? passion of mine. Wow. So that's just awesome. kind of stick out in my mind. I remember getting my favorite toy that I ever got when I was a kid. My mom and dad got me Evil Knievel. It was this thing that you would wind up. Yeah, I had the exact. I almost answered that. Did you really? Yeah, that was that the coolest thing. thing. You would wind it up. It was big, and you would wind it up, and you would stop it. The thing would just take off. Take off. It, I had tears and in you my eyes. Jump over everything yeah, you yeah. possibly could. So did mm-hmm. I. And we had that. And then what we would do is that we had a. G, my brother was a big GI Joe kid, and we'd have like there was a GI Joe van, and I would try to run the the the, the evil Knievel bike over the van. Nice. We created some great moments. But, <laughs> Anyway, that was just some Christmas questions. Yep. One more. Um, if Santa showed up 
at your door and said, I need you to help me out tonight, would you A, immediately do it, two, ask him questions before you did it, or three, say no? I'd, I'd help Santa, no questions Take asked. over for Santa? Yeah. Like, okay. The mall Santa said that I'm in line for his job, so <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm There's good. a little difference between being yeah. a mall Santa and a Santa Santa. Yeah. That would be one of the questions I would ask. I would definitely ask a couple questions Are first. <laughs> Are you a mall Santa? <laughs> Is meth involved? <laughs> oh, it seems like a lot of work. As yeah, you're looking I for the van. Yeah, you... exactly. What do you think, honey? Definitely. Yeah, I, there's something. One shot at it. I got Santa's back, man. Man. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Just some Christmas stuff to break up the uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the the drill, Coach Hackworth, yeah. with questions. <laughs> I'm sorry, Coach. I hope you don't mind us doing this. Um, I, unfortunately, I, I have a couple of questions I think I asked Coach. Do it. So I, the, the, we get questions in chat quite a bit, and I like to kind of follow up and you know see what you think. But um, so Eric Bomonte uh, from Black Sheep Fame. Uh, he wants to know, and I'm curious as well, and I, I know you can't name drop people, but are you expecting to bring back anyone from the first tryout for a second tryout? Uh, potentially. Okay. Uh, potentially. So you got some, you got some good, uh, some good stuff going on in the first one. Yeah, there were some, there were some really good players in that first tryout. Um, you know, we talk about the evolution of of, of the game and of of the USL championship and it's harder and harder to come to an open trial and make a team, especially a team mm-hmm. the quality of ours. Um, but at the end of the day, there were some good players there. And, and now, you know, Mario Sanchez is doing such a yes. great job for us building. Mm-hmm. Kind that of was like my next question. Pathway to the pro, to kind of, well. Yeah, can, can I, to build on that, like, I, I'm, I'm assuming that you could use those tryouts for, as like a like a breeding ground or, or, or something that you can filter down into U23. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have a U23 program now, and that's going to be so important and, mm-hmm. and so I'm so excited to see Mario kind of grow that. Um, and some of those players that were at that trial fit that age range and <clears throat> have a ton of potential, and they mm-hmm. just need an opportunity. Do you have any, like, uh, like local uh, like college talent? Because um, I got some of my boys from Spalding were supposed to come out there. And if you weren't, weren't there, I'm going to find you. Cord- yeah, Cordell. We had some local uh, talent come out. Um, awesome. We had some kids that are, are from Louisville and went off to play college and other places come back. So um, we we had, you know, one young man I can think of didn't play college soccer at all. Really? He's still 22 years old and and, um, playing the sport in a different kind of uh, culture than maybe the organized uh, collegiate route, but certainly very talented. And we can say without a doubt that next month, Mario Sanchez has agreed to do a show here. We're going to do it specifically all on youth talent. The whole thing's going to be about kids and... Uh, he he's he's gracious graciously uh, agreed to come on and do that. That'll be a lot of fun. And just oh, to talk about young kids and yeah. And yeah. I would say that Mario is one of the best people yeah, and coaches in the country that I've I've had the privilege to work with for a long time. Uh, we were both working the national team programs a yeah, long time I'm ago. Really looking forward to that. Uh, but he is such a wonderful resource for our community because he has really tried to dive <coughs> deep into our community. But for our club going forward as we build out. Our under twenty three and our youth program. So so blessed to have him. Yeah, and that's that's what I was. There's just when people mention when you talk to the front office, anybody that's been on here, you mention his name, everybody's face lights up. You know, he just seems like I, I can't wait to have him on here. I really can't. And you know what? I got Cornell Hilliard. Is right. right he's right. good to go for that show. Mm-hmm. So. so we'll have we'll have good. some kids on here, and, and and they can talk about what's what the youth thing in Louisville is all about right now. You know, so that's gonna be really really fun. I can't wait yeah. to do that. First day in Louisville. What's that like? 
I mean, I remember the story because you, you were, weren't you, didn't you come over from co that, the tournament you just mentioned? Wasn't that the one you came from in India or no? Was it no, different? that was a, I was in a tournament in Costa Rica. Okay, okay. Um, and U.S. soccer just wouldn't, oh, I got tired and U.S. soccer wouldn't let me out of going on that trip. So Jeez. I flew back from Costa Rica um, and drove straight from Atlanta, Georgia up to here. Um, and I believe in that first day, uh, the first thing I did was I had to go to a press conference and then I had to go to a radio show with Howie Lindsay. Okay. So, that was, um, that was cool. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot in that first day. It seems day like that seems so up. overwhelming. Right? I just, it's such a, it was such a whirlwind. It seemed like, anyway, I mean, to us it did. It was um, a whirlwind. I, I had a wonderful, I was staying at the A-Loft and, and whether it was you guys or the other supporters, I mean, I was delivered this basket of beautiful right. gifts and mostly it was really good bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we have some of that around here. That yeah. was my uh, that was my initial introduction and, and what a wonderful introduction because, you know, I was a little lonely sitting on the seventh floor of the A-Loft, but yeah. that bourbon kept me nice. And <laughs> <laughs> What's it like meeting players that when you first start coaching? I mean, you know, what you've done several times. What, what is that? What is that like? I mean, how do you how do you prepare for that? Do you prepare for? I mean, what do you do you do you scout the player before you talk to them? How does that work? Yeah, you try to do your research and try to you know have some knowledge of what they're like as a as a player and a person. But really, I think part of being a professional coach is building it. Honestly, I shouldn't say that. Part of being a coach at any level is building relationships. And, you know, I think the first player I met here was uh, Luke Spencer. And in a short amount of time, you, you try to connect. And the more you can connect, the more you start to, to build a relationship and trust and communication. And, and that's really what, uh, you know, with anybody I, I, I try to coach, I try to do. And it seems anybody that coaches or teaches, the biggest struggle I've always ran into, you could be a classroom teacher, it doesn't matter, is maintaining that professional, you know, the distance. There's a distance because if, if, you, if you're passionate about what you do, you love the people that you work with. But there's still a mentor-student thing, right? I mean... It, well, I think the deeper you go into a relationship, the more you develop an ability to go farther and farther. Mm -hmm. And... Knowing where that line is at all times is really important, as you're mentioning. But the far the the more you can build a relationship, the farther I think you get to take that. Yeah, right, right, right. The first match I don't remember your first match that you coached was that the Nashville. It was the Nashville thing. So walking out with the players then that must have been yeah, it was great. a little nervy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a yeah, it was a wonderful experience. Um, I'm not gonna lie, my first couple games here were were tough. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what our record was, but we weren't flying, um, and we got it going on. I think when we went on the road, we played on the road. First two games on the road were at Charlotte and then at Richmond, mm -hmm. and that's where I think we were on the road for, for those two trips, um, a lot of time in the bus, and that's where we kind of really started to gel and, okay. and develop. <clears throat> and and I don't think, I, I think what I'm saying here is, I don't think the, the, the I was speaking as a supporter, we were cool. I mean, we knew that this was a major adjustment. It was yeah, You guys were really cool when we were losing to Toronto early right. in that stage. And, right. and, uh, and I think we were losing 4-1 at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. 
and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna get crushed walking off this field. No, but no, I, most, I remember that. I most of the fans were fantastic. Cool. Um, not a, so much after the game and some of the, the social media. Right. Stuff. Well, I don't read that. <laughs> Just don't. You, you mean know, people were people when, were negative on social media? Are you no. kidding me? Yeah. It never happens. I think that's what social media is about half the time. Uh-huh. But, um, I remember that my buddies that, you know, have some of my oldest friends that I grew up playing pickup soccer with, you know, in my childhood, uh, they they put the hashtag Hack City. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that game, you know, some of our supporters had a hashtag that said Hack Out. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, well, you know. Well, I've tried to push normal. Hack Attack. I Look, I, I, but I came from Philly. I was in Philly mm-hmm. for six years as a coach, and that is a tough place. That is to the be. worst as so, a New Jersey Giants ow. fan, as a Giants fan, and growing up as a Devils fan. And there is, I'm sorry because I know there's a couple guys from Philadelphia that are watching this tonight. They're, they're Bethlehem Steel fans. Philadelphia fans are the worst. I'm sorry. I, don't you know, no comment needed. I, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm, I'm speaking personally. They're the best. They're the they're best the and the worst. And I can't I, argue. I was when I was cheered there golly it was they're nothing tough. louder and when i was booed and a lot worse than that they are so i caught a snowball um, right here in 1987 and going to a, the, the, uh, I, was, I don't think there were vets anymore um and i was just wearing a giant's jersey and i was hanging out with guys that had philly jerseys on. did it knock your hair off uh mm-hmm. next question <laughs> you know the one the one good thing you can say about philly fans you never have to wonder what they think they will let you know. They threw ice balls at Santa. Well, look, I would tell all the Philly guys at the, the Bethlehem Steel, you know, I, I was part of that organization for a long time, and the coach of the Steel was one of my assistants uh, at Philly. So I have a lot of – I'm proud of what they've done there and how they've evolved that club over time. So I'm going to – sneaking into the whole uh, thing, mentioning Philly, they just rebranded Bethlehem Steel as Philadelphia Union too. Unique challenges of, of coaching a two-team versus an independent team. Yeah, um, really very different jobs, uh, if you will. And so your job, and it depends. Every club has their own idea of what those teams should be. I think you look at Bethlehem Steel right now, and they they have changed their idea of what they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, previously, they wanted Bethlehem Steel to be the reserve team to be a developmental arm and a pathway for their young players, but also to combine some of their first team players that come down. And now they're <clears> moving <throat> to a model, which is, you know, very much a, a younger model. Okay. Um, so uh, you look at New York Red Bull, I think they're the kind of club that have done the best of both worlds. Used a lot of youth players, but a lot of, you know, experienced players and then kind of try to grow with them together. And, and that's a really good way to do it. Mm-hmm. In, in my humble opinion, you know, put a young player with some veterans. You can be the greatest coach in the world, but it's so valuable to have players around you that can teach you something because mm-hmm. unless you can kind of see what that player at a higher level is doing, that's when you really pick up some, some incredible, uh, valuable tools to your ear. And that's interesting because I was reading something over the summer. Um, was it Leipzig, who's is it that, uh, the Red Bulls? Um, their 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 director literally said that all our entire goal through the entire system is for the top team. That includes the Red Bulls, and and that's the one of the weird the, one of the unique relationship things that are starting to develop in this country um, is that there is some untapped potential of of building partnerships with international sides. We saw that with uh, recently over in California. Um, I would think that's pretty exciting. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about anything with that. But it's um, when you start talking about building relationships with, uh, like, the U23, having our own U23 deal. 
um, and knowing that you've you had the experience doing the U seventeen thing, that's got to that's got to be exciting. I, I have to assume it because it's something that you've done before, and it's got it's so new. And I love new stuff doing stuff like that's got to be crazy. Yeah, it is. It's um, especially. I, I mean, I personally think that when you're doing it within one club and mm-hmm. you're in one community in one place, um, yeah. it's a little simpler. And sometimes being simpler and a little smaller, versus you know having a. The, the mothership be in Europe and you're a club in America trying to, you know, meet certain criteria and values. That's always hard. That's probably the biggest difference between a, a two team, an MLS two team and a standalone USL team. You know, with with my job, our job is to be the best win. team we can and to win. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. For those two teams, their job is to develop players, use whatever players the first team staff send them. And that's ever changing, so it's much more complicated. And you mentioned uh, Bethlehem, or mentioned Bethlehem Steel. I remember, I forget who it was. It was I went to one of the Bethlehem game in Bethlehem a couple of years ago. I don't maybe it was it was Maurice Adu who was he was Adil. Yeah, he was going to he he was recovering from an injury. Yep. And they gave him thirty minutes of a, you know just to see that he was okay. And you saw I don't want to say disorganized. But the cohesiveness wasn't there. We scored two goals on it, I think, the first 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. then they, they moved him out, and then they put in their regular striker at the time. And all of a sudden, the entire women, I don't remember if it was Chambers or whoever it was, but whoever they subbed in, but it, all of a sudden it became a game that you're used to seeing in in, 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 in USL. It was a very competitive game. And I, like I said, it, I guess it's kind of good that you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, think if you look at any of those coaches who coach those teams, they have the same ambitions as we do. They want them, you know, and, and some of their ownership groups expect them to, to win. Um, and yet it's hard to win when you're bringing players like Mo from injury and trying to get them 30 minutes of just, you know, Running game around. minutes. Right, right, right. Um, and really at the same time be competitive, especially right. against a team like Louisville. So it's a big challenge for those teams um, and will continue to be. And there's a lot of, debate about which is the right philosophy at the end of the day every club has their own uh, agendas and, and try to meet that how do you like living out here love it it's, it's a cool town i mean it i'm, I'm really, from outside too so it's, it is a really cool town i would say um you know i'm a, I'm a southern boy in my roots from florida I spent 10 years in north carolina um and and i really feel like this place is a, a special place um <laughs> Really cool people. It starts with that. Really cool culture. Great food. Great, great. The drink. restaurant scene out. Uh, the restaurant scene out here is unbelievable. It's yeah. incredible. I, I never. We when I first moved out here from New York City, moved out here, I was like, "There's so many restaurants." <laughs> I gotta, I gotta take you to. I gotta take you to New Wave Burritos, man. Yeah, man. Yep. That's you know. But then the, the park system here and just the way people. You know, I I fell in love with Seneca and Cherokee Park Golly, on yes. my. My interview here. Aside um, from wild driving presidents, what's that? <laughs> Aside from wild dr- driving team presidents, that was well, interesting. But well, <laughs> we had John Neese on here, and he told us a little bit about. That. So, uh, if you can go back, your part of the of the uh, the the interview process, how much fun it was, how, what it was like. It, was, it seemed like there was, you know, it was an interview process, but at the same time, it's based on what John was saying that it seemed like there was something clicked pretty. You know, there was there was there was there was there was chemistry, whatever the word I'm looking. Yeah, for. I mean, I I would hope so. Um, he seemed he sure know, he they, sure seemed to see that. They mm-hmm. certainly went you know and looked at a lot of ca- candidates from from near and far and, um, but when you know I think we would both say it was a right fit for both of us and 
thank goodness, knock on wood, it right. continues to be the right foot. Absolutely. We're growing that and, and developing. Our club is growing in so many ways, uh, as your little poem alluded to. Yes, sir. Uh, so we, <laughs> yeah. have a, we have a lot of growth, and sometimes that growth means we have a lot of challenges. But we're such a good group of people to work with, and, and I think we have so many positives. Uh, going forward that I'm excited about that. What was the most, I've got to ask you this, what was the most, I've got to ask you two things, what was the most unique challenge about playing on a baseball field? I mean, you know, I, was, there's got to be several, and I know that you have to be thankful. I know the players are. The ones that we've had and we talked to, we're glad, everybody's glad that we're not there anymore. What was, like, tactically speaking, I mean, you've got to make adjustments. I mean, there's yeah, got to be something mathematically that you have to deal with. What would that be? You know, is there one? Really, it's time and space on a baseball field because there's, it's not a big enough field for, for men to right, play on. Right, right. Um, and the first time that I had ever really coached on a baseball field, and I've been coaching for a long time, was when I coached against Nashville here. And it, it took me a while to try to figure out what that time and space was for our team um, because I, I had to adjust. And eventually, um, you know, I think we figured it out together, but it's it's not easy. And there are other mm -hmm. venues now, um, you know, a lot of USL championship games are played on, on baseball fields. And so that is a big challenge in this league. And did, did, the, uh, did the guys on the team, um, th this is kind of a funny question to me, but did they – did they go and buy like different cleats to play on our field? You know, because because when I was younger and I knew what kind of surface we would be playing on, like I I feel like you could get an advantage over other teams if the guys on the team were like, hey, you know, you should wear these cleats because you know you're gonna hit the you're gonna hit the running track and you know you need these like that. That's what I would I think well, of I stuff would, like that. I would just tell you to watch if you go back and watch some games from earlier this year. Look at Ben Lunt. All right. Okay. And when. When the coin toss is going on, whether it's Paolo or Speedy, whoever our, our captain was, when they give the signal which side, which goal we were defending, you know, Ben Holzman would have to run in with a different pair of shoes. I knew based it. On really? I knew yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, because that both side of the field is, it is really, so slick. It is you know? really an interesting, and that happens mm -hmm. a lot. Because well, cause you could see, like, some of the opposing teams, their goalkeeper would come out, and they would have a really hard time back there. And I'm like, oh, this guy's going to get scored on. Like, mm -hmm. every game. I, I forget who was doing that last year, but we had a – my first season here, we had a goal – I think it was the goalie from uh, Indy who a couple Pickens? times – Is that no, no, he's in Tennessee. He's in Nashville. He's in Nashville. He's in Nashville. Um, it might have been Evan Newton. Um, I'm not sure it was Evan. It might have been, but – my point being that that, that goalie had figured it out, and he did the same thing. So you, you mentioned something I'm going to go back to. You, you talked about developing time and space. When you're doing show development on a field, how do you develop that? Yeah. It is uh, 848. Right, Are we okay? I got to get out of here soon. I okay, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. I, I, then we'll I'll forget about that. <laughs> Thank I, you. You've been really generous with your time. But, yeah, coach. I appreciate that. Just, I guess one more, one more question is um, the new stadium. Is there something that, as a supporter, you know, we look at the new stadium, we're like, wow, what advantage does that give you that we may, we not, we might not, you know, we might not notice other than it's a nice new stadium? What's what, what's the advantage? It would be the same answer I gave you about Slugger, is that time and space is what any good team is trying to exploit okay. to their advantage, um, both when you have the ball and when you don't have it. And so our, our field is going to, the surface is incredible. You know, the sight lines for the spectators are amazing. Yep. 
But for the players and for the coaches, we get to now have what I would consider a proper surface and a proper space to play on. And that being that the field be the length and width gives us in the way that we play, um, really I think it'll be a big advantage to us. And not to say that it's easy, it's actually gonna be in some ways harder. Right. Magnus, the first time we walked out on that field, Magnus is like, coach, I know what you're gonna require of me. And mm. I said, yeah, Magnus, what's that? He's like, a lot of running. Running. <laughs> and I said, you're damn right, Magnus. You're damn right. But, you know, that's, that's, it really should be something that we play to our advantage. And that, you know, our guys are, are the best in the business at being well prepared for what they do. And so if, if we, as a group, uh, train uh, to play on that space and utilize it in the right way, um, li really looking forward to the possibilities. Yeah. So, I mean, if you got to go, I'm sorry. I don't know. That's all right. I, I do have to go. All right. But uh, I mean, got to close this up. I actually do have a, a recruiting call. But all thank right. you so much. Uh, I, I mean, I'm going to personally apologize for, for reading that poem. No, you don't have to. I'm sorry. It, it, I, I'm sorry. I don't, it, I hope you know, I didn't, I would, I would never do anything worry, to make man. any, I was just making fun anyway. Okay, but okay, it is, okay. you know, it's contentious and we're all part of uh, right. this crazy process. So please accept my apologies, regardless of whether, you know, I would never do that. And I want to, it's un necessary I, I, so. and I also want to say personally I I have nothing but admiration for you, for for you personally the way you stepped in that on what you had to do and how you developed this thing we've been blessed we've had two great coaches yeah, absolutely. And, and I hope that you know for the next 38 years or 40 years you're the guy here and I mean that sir I wouldn't say it if I, I mean I'm not I appreciate that that's my plan I keep uh, telling everyone I'm not leaving unless they, they kick me out so um, and I would you know give James O'Connor, a huge shout out because mm -hmm. I think he did such an excellent job setting this up that um, the, the biggest challenge I had coming here was filling some amazingly big shoes. Um, and thankful with the work of uh, the players, you know, we were obviously able to have some success uh, early on. And, and we look to continue that because that's what we all expect. Mm -hmm. So I hope you enjoyed this. I, I, mean, I did. I, and hopefully, I did. you know, you, you'll, you'll do this again someday with us when we, you know, I hope. Absolutely. <laughs> Coach, thank you so much. Right, I want to keep you, you guys. And we're going to keep thank doing you. our thing here. Um, and and be safe on All the right. way out. You too. Have All a wonderful right. holidays. All thank right. you, you too. Thanks, Coach. Uh, Coach uh, John Hackworth, was that was awesome. Thank you so much, sir. Be safe on the way. I'm sorry we didn't win that game for you. No, <laughs> please. Please just, just keep doing what you're doing, huh? Yep. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like I was saying, Matt, that, uh, to have two, to have two coaches the way we've had it is, uh, we don't know how lucky we sometimes, I, I mean, I, I think our fan base is generally starting to get used to understanding how blessed we are to have what we've yeah. had, but it's still pretty amazing. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, I think first of all, starting with James, if he didn't build that kind of team with that kind of quality of character. During the search for a coach, we would not have been able to hold it together because that's that's a lot of his legacy. And then we found a guy like Coach Hackworth who can immediately step in, build those relationships with people, yeah. understand what needs it to be needs to be done, and control that transition and get everything he possibly could out of the team. Yeah, and and, and to you're you're literally trying to impose your your not will will's not the right word, but your your what you believe is the right culture into a culture that's already been developed that's insanely difficult mm -hmm. it's not like you're replacing a coach like i'm a giants fan okay schumer is gone at the end of the year and somebody's going to be coming in to replace the culture and create a new culture how the hell do you come in creating a new culture when you've got a winning culture 
already. I mean, it's insanely difficult. I, I don't know. think the only answer is pretty much what he did. You don't. You just right. find your place in that culture, find a way to help the people improve what they still have opportunities to improve on, and that's mm -hmm. exactly what he did. Right. So now the one thing we did want to get into for a little while uh, is the is now that the coach is gone. We didn't. I, I feel mm -hmm. like an idiot. And Derek I, has abandoned us. And Derek has ran away doing kid things. You know, Lincoln. God bless him. You know, the, mm -hmm. the kid's a great kid. Uh, his father's kind of a. I don't yeah, know, well, you, know. you want to sit down? You want to talk with us? Are you, are you busy? What are you talking about? I'm talking about you. We're making funny. Talk about you. What did um, I do? Let's talk a little bit what about. What didn't the, you do? Let's talk about the badge deal. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's time to do that. Um, I'm, the only reason now, the only reason we're going to get into it is because they've done a redo. The three of us <laughs> messaged each other, and we all agreed. Tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, that we were like, man, maybe we should lay off of this until it's you know. This yeah, is going I don't want to put days coach ago. on the spot, right? And yeah. then, but but they resolved it in a manner that I feel was as professional and as awesome as you could possibly be. Why do we suddenly sound different? Because we shut the uh, because microphone. that microphone echoes. I have okay. to go forth, Mike. So, what do you think, man? The way they handled the uh, the uh, the rebranding. Not only to forget the rebranding for a second. Look, look. I think we can all say that the rebranding did not work out well. I mean, we could sit here and we right. could pick. And we can do the, uh, you know, the, the chicken peck thing all day long on what we didn't like about it. Tell me about what you thought about how they handled it afterwards. Uh, afterwards? Yeah, after the reset after you know, this morning. Um, I, I think that they're taking all the right steps in all the right directions. And they're doing their best PR that they possibly can right now. And that's really all. The, that's all you can do. Um, and it looks like. I'd say ninety percent of the people have rallied behind Brad's announcement and anybody else, you know, from the front office that has talked about it. Um, you know, with the exception of of a few, but you know, right. hey, hey, Twitter. <laughs> and if I could, Matt, before I ask you, um, mm -hmm. um, Matt Dalton, who's the president of the Coopers, wanted me to read this, so I'm going to read it. Uh, as his the representative. And by the way, Matt's going to be leaving as president. Matt, you've done a fantastic job. Here, here. Matt Dalton was a fantastic president. He's been on here a couple times. He's a wonderful guy, and uh, I really sincerely mean that, pal. You've done a yep. fantastic job here, here, and uh, you know, keeping an amazing capo, and uh, just keeping an amazing guy. And if you need music, if you ever get married, I'll do it for you. Here we go. This is from uh, We Are Unequivocally, as an organization fully behind and proud of the FO. They made a measured, courageous, and appropriate decision. The club has been open, honest, and considerate partners for the fan, for the fan base. I can't imagine you can find a more accommodating FO anywhere in the country on this level or above. And I can't argue. I can't argue with that. But look, people are going to make mistakes. It's fair to say now, after all, now some of us were willing to roll with it. I was willing to roll with it. You know, I didn't say I liked it that much. I left it as a myth. I love the new colors. Mm -hmm. I do. I, the, the second I saw the gold was gone, I was good with it. Yeah. Um, Gold is a hard color to deal with on uniforms. Mm -hmm. It really yeah. is. It's one of the hardest color, if not the hardest color. The old logo in general was very hard to deal with. It was from, busy. Oh, yeah. from a tiny was, windows. Yeah, from a reproduction perspective. And, and, right. And then, like if you needed like a uh, like a oh man, what do you call it? like a threaded badge? Right. Where like an embroidered. Oh, it was impossible. It, yeah, it was. Yep. You couldn't do it. And yep. that's that's like like this stuff. These are all iron-on patches that they put on these things. These are not. Right. Right. You know, right. Right. That thing you could. I mean, boom, you, that's easily reproduced right, on a yeah. shirt or anything through thread. and right. you know. Yep. So what do you think, buddy? I didn't mean to do that. I, to overall, I like it. I mean, uh, this this corner is just, it's a poor decision, and the gray does nothing for me. I'd just like to see purple, black, and white. Otherwise, I think this is good. I mean, right. 
My Twitter handle is Loose City Sting. I've always liked the term Loose City. I think it's fine. Right. And, and, the, and some well, people don't care for that. And whatever. here's the, the reason now and I, the color scheme is I'm good with the color scheme. I was good with this. If they keep if they keep this and do something else with it, I'll be OK with it. Now, what I always thought was now the, the two things was the, the disconnect of the of the um, of the of the horizontal line or whatever that line is, this angular yeah. line. That's strong. That I str- not a horizontal. No, it's line. not horizontal. It's not. It, well, I keep drinking. It'll be. It, it's <laughs> horizontal. If you turn it <laughs> thirty-five you, degrees, you'll be diagonal. Yeah. That's Here's the thing. thing: is that, and this is going to sound silly, but folks, if you have a little bit of OCD going on like I do, and I'm not saying that legit. I mean, I, I've told people I've been very open about some of the issues that I've dealt with in my life. That will break you. This will be like I can't because you'll constantly be like, "What are you doing? Why can't?" It's like you, you like if you go to a cat like me and count to nine and don't count to ten, I may hit you. <laughs> I, won't, I won't. But it, it's the second thing is, but the thing that I really didn't like, and I said it, is that a slang for the name of a team I struggled with. I know you didn't. I mean, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's it, but when you know, because now you got to come up with a slang for the slang. When it, it, I wanted them to Louisville City FC, even though when the name came out in the original, I was like, that's just bleh. well, it's the name of the team, and I like it now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys think about it. Go ahead. I mean, say what you want about that. I I've, I don't know. I've liked it from the beginning. I've never really had a problem with it, so I can't think of really anything insightful to say. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is there anything going on social media and anything that people are asking or talking about? Not really. No. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of mentions on, you know, in the chat or anything. So, so, I'm, I'm sure that Twitter is an absolute nightmare right now, but right. hey. And, I, and look, and I respect, and Yay, I, told, Twitter. Yeah, to, I totally respect that a lot of people had a lot of problems with it. And you're welcome to do that. And I had a little bit of a problem with it, too. So here's the point. Either move on uh-huh. or don't. I mean, if you want to be one of these people that, man, I'm afraid to even say this, but I'm going to say it. If you make a choice to be constantly negative about anything, you're going to get attention. But, <laughs> I mean, the kind of attention that you're going to get, maybe that's what you'd crave. But how the how the f do you wake up in the morning? I know. I I'm sorry. I, you know, if, if there's anybody that's going to watch this that feels this that that is um that is one of those cats, and I'm not calling anybody out. You do what you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. If you want to be negative all the time, and if you want to find something wrong with everything, do it. I just me personally. How do you live life like this? I don't, man. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I don't know. I have very I not to be negative. I have very strong feelings just from a design perspective from the whole thing. Right, I understand. That I made very. I was very open no, about it. Well, um, speak, man. I mean, you want to talk about it, so do it. I, I'm. I've always been very, very against people hiring marketing firms to do their branding, and uh, the like. The Columbus Crew, they they went and they. I, I, it was a small group that did their branding when they rebranded from the old the construction guys. Um, uh, and, and here is something that I really want to approach and something that we can compare this whole thing to. Mm-hmm. So the Charlestown logo, yep. It, design evolves. Graphic design evolves. It's like, you know, the eighties, look at the furniture that we had. Hi. Wait a second. Before think, we finish this thought. Okay. Hi Lincoln. Lincoln. Here. Lincoln. You, can we pause for just a second? Yeah. Go. I need those. You want to say hi to everybody, Link? Link, how you doing, pal? You doing all right? Yep, doing all right. Okay, please continue. Okay, okay, you can. You're good. Get start getting ready for bed. Okay. We're having. We're water. having a young man. We need my water moment. Your water bottle? Is it? Is it on your backpack? 
So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, the, the let's talk about the Charlestown logo. Design evolves. It's, you know, we had really wild-looking furniture back in the 80s, did we not? There was a lot of cashmere. Yep. There was a lot of, you know, green carpets and all kinds of stuff. Well, design evolves just like styles and clothing and furniture and, and you know, everything else that we go through throughout the years. And, you know, design is different now. It's much more different than it was five years ago when the original logo was created. You know, the, the guys from Charlestown hired one guy. They hired Matthew Wolf, who is, he's very, well, he's not well known, but he has designed a lot of very, to the point, very specific, stylish soccer logos, and, Char and Charlestown is one of those. Right. And he did it because it, it's, he did it because he understands the way that things are designed now. Okay. He, he understands what people want and what they're looking at and he understands what's now and in with the times and that's the whole thing with a new logo is once that comes out it, it's going to be here for a long time you're there's no team out there that's going to rebrand every five years no. or whatever in reality and, and if they do you know what if they do they've got problems if they're rebranding there's something else going on far it, beyond right. new far ownership beyond, right, that you know everything there's big issues with money or whatever yeah. in the community so right. ultimately and and somebody and forgive me if you watch this if somebody said this on twitter you know, you your logo need you need to have a logo that's good enough from the beginning that you never have to rebrand. Right. You know, there, there's so many logos out there. There there's people that are still using the same logos in the EPL that they've been using for just dozens and dozens of years, and it's and I don't necessarily I don't think that you need to have one guy come in and just run the show. You know, and and design your logo and say, hey, we're done. Um, and that's, you know, I think a lot of creativity gets lost in these, you know, these marketing company board meetings. You know, you go in there and you're in there with 12 people and you're all having conflicting ideas and right. you all have to come to some sort of an agreement. And then you do a draft and then the, the people that hired you don't like it. And then you do another draft and then you go back to the boardroom and you talk some more. Eventually, everybody gets sick of it. Right. And... Uh, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Like I, I've, I would prefer that you take local talent, and you you sign them up, and maybe put your local talent with two other people that are very skilled. Okay. And I, like I said this on another show, like college students, right? They're they've got ringers. U of L's got. A, they, I know that they've got some ringers in their graphic design program okay. that that can do this logo, and it's beneficial for them to do it, and they could do something very stylish and unique. And that's permanent. That's with them. That goes in their portfolio. That's right. not a marketing firm. It's not the marketing firm's portfolio. That's their portfolio. And I, I will stick behind that for as long as I live for as being a designer. Right. And I, I appreciate that a lot of people are coming out now and they're kind of, you know, hey, check out this logo. It's pretty cool. Uh, some of them, and, and, th and this is the design community, some of them are really bad. And some people won't think that they're very bad, but they're very bad. And I only say that because I've watched graphic design evolve. And I think it's great that people are designing their own stuff and that they're showing people, hey, this is what we could have. Um, but, you know, ultimately you have to find somebody that that has been doing this for a long time. They, they know what you need and they know what it needs to look like as, it, as, as design evolves again. But, uh, yeah, one guy did Charlestown's logo. If you like Charlestown's logo, that's one guy. That's not a team of guys in a boardroom. Um, 
I I liked I liked this logo uh, when it my initial reaction was like that looks pretty cool, and then the designer in me kind of went like this, and I started looking at it, and I'm like, right. oh, it's kind of what I and then, it's, yeah, what, it's pretty much what I I'm did. like. There's a gap in between Lou and City. Mm-hmm. Ha- have we, you know, not only is it a uh, a nickname. But now there's a gap in between it, and is it socially acceptable for us to put a gap in there from, you know what I mean? Was like, Loose City ever not spaced? I, I've seen it with I no space know. in it. I've, I've seen never it no seen space. it like that, ever. Really? I mean... Aside from my Twitter handle, which can't have spaces, okay, I've that's never fair. seen that's it fair. like that. That's I, fair. I've seen it, it, it just, just that's a straight word. Okay. You're right, you're right. Yeah, you know, that, that's a good point. Is it the, only, the only time I've ever noticed it is on Twitter. I, yeah. Literally, I've never, I've, or maybe on Facebook, but I've never mm-hmm. seen the logo with... I've never, you know, I don't even know what the logo looks like without it. I don't know. It's a good point. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, you know, the, the the stars being cut off was a big deal for a lot of people. Right. It bugged me too. It bugged the shit out of me. And, and the initial, I like that kind of. It looks. I don't know. They had to fill it. There's black space. They they had to fill that because there was too much yeah. empty space. But you know, and then and then somebody put out a design that had it filling the space without the stars cut off. It looked fine. I didn't mm-hmm. think that it had too much black I didn't space like it but, as well. Um, I like I like that the elements just kind of flowed together that way. Yeah, and you had to you know you had to fill it up. Personal taste, I guess. Um, the 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 flirtelies I've always the flirtelies that are on that logo I've always been a fan of that style flirtely. Okay. Um, the the really uh, it's like a hard flirtely. Yeah. It's not the rounded. I would you know, point it looks at, like I, it's metal or I something. I would point yeah. at that, but I don't want you to think that I'm trying to touch your nipple. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can do that if you want to. <laughs> the. <laughs> The you mean these, <laughs> which are not, <laughs> which are not actually near my nipples. Nice, that's more like the top of the gut it's, region. It's all, it's all about it's all about perspective. My <laughs> my my main complaint about this logo what, what, is that it's too close to Matt's nipples. Yes, but no, <laughs> I'm it, sorry, I'm, I'm being an idiot. with the two stars on it. You look like it's my, Kamala. It's my third glass. Oh. But um, <laughs> that's a wrestling name. Yeah, yeah, so Kamala, Kamala. Much, like, all remember. you need is a moon right there, and you're good. Yeah, let's not do that. But okay, so my main complaint. I think I'd get a lot in a lot of trouble if I did that. Well, other people brought this up, like, okay. but not as many people as I suspected that brought it up. Right. That looks like a home plate at baseball. Yes, it does. I thought that was an Easter egg. And I'm like, and several people, you know, especially you know our neighbors up north, mm-hmm. they were like, huh. It looks like a home plate, Can so I, they I'm just can't drop. In. They I'm can't gonna, drop the baseball. I'm going to jump in right here. <laughs> I am absolutely 100 percent not interested in caring about what anybody else says about anything except us. I absolutely don't give a flying crap about people in Cincinnati. Oh, I didn't care. That about doesn't mean it. that doesn't mean that I don't think they're. There's good things going on there, or there's not good people, or th- that I I don't like enjoy do the banter thing. That's not the point. I can give a flying f about what people think about us. Right. I don't care. This comes from a lot of people really care though. Right. Well, mm-hmm. and that's fine. They want to see Louisville get represented. But, but the like, point, the point being is that I'm different like that. So I try not. Yeah. I try to listen to. The reason I'm like that is because I grew up making a living playing music, and I think I've even said this on the show once. That there was a time when you know I was when I was starting out, there was one gig that I did in town where the bouncer was was heckling me, mm-hmm. and you know I need this money to eat, you know because I'm living you know in in a little tiny place and the rent is ridiculous. You learn how to grow thick skin. The point I'm trying to make is, I I don't want to seem insensitive to that. I understand where I'm at with that. I'm I'm brutally mm-hmm. pragmatic. 
but I don't care what other people think. I just I and I I'm sorry, you know, and that's where I come from with that. So I'm not saying I'm right. No. I'm just saying that's where I come from with that. Yeah. I think I think a lot of a lot of people took it as an opportunity to troll us and that's fine, but and that's you know. Fine. But I see the baseball plate. I see I see home plate. The yeah. douches in Indiana. Whoever runs the Indy Eleven uh, Twitter feed, hey, obviously you're nineteen year nineteen years old and you haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I saw some that of that. Was and I'm like, dumb. Like you just like for whatever you whatever you said. First of all, graduate high school. Figure that figure that out first, <laughs> and then what did I, they say? I don't remember. It was just bad. It they was, were trying to quit it was, back. Yeah, like, and uh, it was just uh, like what? Yeah. You know, it, it, I wasn't impressed. So, Indy 11's uh, account person, you know, get through high school, clear up your zit problem, and then you know, <laughs> and then you can get back to doing whatever you're doing here. Um, I'm, I'm or not, not, or not, or keep yeah. doing it so we can keep like you know chewing your bud. Yeah, you you all haven't done enough in this league yet to talk to you. Hear that? So. Uh, Grab a star, yeah. then you can talk. You know, yeah. um, so that's where I'm at with this. I don't have, nothing, I really don't have anything else. The the point I wanted to make is that. You know, you know blacks. You, you, my, and I'll, I mentioned this again. Scouse said, Mike Scouse called me before. He said, make sure to tell everybody that you know we're one hundred percent behind the, the the front office. We're hundred we're one hundred percent behind everything they're doing. So that's you know, and Mike is he's you know that's a section over there. So he's good with it. I, you know, Matt Dalton. I talked to Eric Belmonte. Eric said, you know, the black sheep. They're good to go. They're every. Let's just move on. I'm ready to move on from yeah, this. Yeah. I spent so much brain energy on this. That I could have spent, I don't know, watching porn or something. I I have no idea what I could have done with that time, but I was tired of talking about this stuff. I got, I, got, I was tired when people got mad at me for Boozy the Bear. Boozy the, the Bear is the greatest idea ever. Those people wore me out. Boozy the Bear is the best. What do you think about Boozy the Bear? You'd want to be Boozy the Bear, wouldn't you? Either Boozy or Bear, or uh, you remember the uh, Duffland thing from The Simpsons where they had the different beer bottles? <laughs> I would I would like to be Surly. <laughs> I do remember. Oh my gosh, that was a while ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Gosh, gosh. I've I've been looking on Amazon.com for panda bear costumes, yeah. by the way. But you know, I'm going to say that I totally man, I, I totally love the passion as a supporter to see everybody so wound up that they care about it that much. Yeah. So you know, the arguing, in the, the yelling and whatever, do it. I, I'm not. I'm, that's not the point. I'm. I think people should be passionate about it. We've moved on. If you're going to keep beating the dead horse. That's on you. If you want to chew on that and have, pe unless you really enjoy people thinking you're a douche, mm -hmm. keep doing it. I mean, because that's what people are going to think you are. Yeah, don't, a, don't be so polarizing, guys. You know, just let just it don't... go. Join, have fun. Mm -hmm. What is wrong with having some fun? What is wrong yes. with being positive for five minutes? It is okay to have a little joy in your life. Yes. We promise we won't tell. Let it go. I, I you know, I, I didn't, like I said, the thing that really bugged me out after like about 24 hours was the name of the team. That that wasn't everybody, but that was me. Everybody, there was people that were upset. There's people still like, man, I wish we still had the gold. I don't care about the gold. I didn't care about the gold, but people do. So I respect yeah. that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I respect that people cared about that. It's just how far you take it and what you need to do to make sure people are paying attention to you. If you want to be that person, be that person. I'm telling you something. There's going to be 99% of us that, you know, six months from now, we're not going to remember this. Right. We're going to move on. Yeah. Yeah. That first time that we sing My Old Kentucky Home in the stadium. Oh, man. I guarantee you, no one's going to stop and be like, hey, remember the time they came up with that logo? No one's yeah. going to do that. You know who's going to do that? A douche. Mm -hmm. Somebody that's looking for, looking for attention. So you can yeah. get your attention that way. But it's okay. We'll drown them out yeah. back in a pond. <laughs> in a pond. <laughs> anyway, can I grab that bottle, please? 
Well, he certainly. Um, I just, you know, these time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sean made a couple of comments. Like, uh, I, I don't. I didn't mean for that. The logo should be trendy. Right. Right. I, I mean that it. It's there's a certain way that graphic design evolves, and it there's a certain way that people's eyes hit things and read things now, and it's based on culture and the things you see on TV and everything else. Like design, you, you can't just slap something on a piece of paper and make it work. It needs to work with the times. It's, it's I like don't want it to be trendy. I want it to be unique, very like, unique. It's like with the icons on your cell phone. There was first there was the like the bubbly thing, and there was mm -hmm. like the flat look, and yeah. Now everything's on fire. Yeah. Although that might just be a problem with my phone. I don't know. <laughs> and I, th I think one of the one of the things that somebody mentioned, you, you might have told me this, is that uh, w way too many are many, way too many people are doing round logos. Yes, there's like, a so, lot of round logos. Going but that's around. that's why people are doing round logos because they work on everything. Mm -hmm. okay. We've got bourbon barrel heads. So round logos are just completely uninspired. I mean, uh, yeah, just awful. I mean, we've got bourbon barrel heads. We've got you know we've got drums. We've got the soccer balls round. I mean, most of the stuff is round. And it's excellent for marketing purposes, especially if the team wants to go for some kind of, you know, like an, like an alcohol grab. Like they want right. one of those alcohol sponsors. Hey, round is the way to go. Right. Everything is round in the alcohol world. You just brought up something. Except the angels and people. And, and you know, you, you've got, yeah, except the angel. <laughs> yeah. Um, Guess which bottle I buy. Oh, man. Because I'm like that. But it's, <laughs> it, it, it really, a circle, a circle around is a really great shape for a logo for Louisville. Like it just, it is, it just is based mm -hmm. on the stuff that we have here. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Charlotte Independence. I was looking at their logo today. Yeah, okay. That that's a cool logo. Soon to be defunct, I bet. And it, yeah. A couple years. Oh yeah. But that that logo's cool, and it represents Charlotte. It's it's a it's a badge. It's a true badge. And that's mm -hmm. what Charlotte needs. And there's other teams too. You know. Well, of course, Red Bull has you know the Red Bull can logo, but. Um, but but it's it's you can see it like you can see the city in those logos. Uh, St. Louis and I did a reproduction of this logo, right. and it it was a circle, and I did it based on what I thought the team's specs were for a logo. Like they wanted this, they wanted this, they wanted that, and the colors and everything. So, um, I I did the circle logo, and if you look, and somebody mentioned this, I think it was uh, I think it was Liza that mentioned this. Um, St. Louis's logo. I didn't realize. I, I paid no attention to any other logos when I did the circle logo. Okay. St. Louis's logo looks very similar to the logo I made. Okay. okay. And I looked, and I'm like, yeah. oh, you're you're right. It, and it's a good design. And it is it, a good yeah. design. St. Louis it, has a, has I said a, something nice about St. Louis. So it's aesthetically. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, all everything they do aesthetically is pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, go finish your thoughts. But but yeah, it's 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 stuff like that. And and St. Louis has a very minimalist design, and it looks really good. Uh, Nashville, Nashville, I love their circle logo. I thought that it was a great logo. It's probably one of my top five in the league. Just they did it. It was real was clean. That, Nashville, their circle logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the inside is 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 weird. I try to explain to people, you know, it's this cut in right, and and it's it's got the what is it the in Roman numerals the the date that the city was founded yeah, at the bottom. Right. It's a cool circular yeah. logo, and it's a minimalist logo. Right. Um, and that's design right now is minimalism and, right. you know, people are doing it right. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, I mean, that's, those are my thoughts. I don't, I hope I'm not rambling, but no, you no, know, I'm really it. passionate about design. I, I, I know I'm not in the design field anymore, but I still freelance and I still really enjoy doing right. it. Well, and, and there's something else that you mentioned that I want to go back on. And that is you start talking about financial support. Look, I am all about making sure that the club is the team is answerable to the, the fan base. They should be. We're the ones that pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Okay? 
But at the same time, in order for them to pay the bills, they may make, they may create partnerships to help them pay the bills. Mm -hmm. Get over it. If you don't like the partnerships that's going on behind, I'm not talking about the marketing thing. I'm not even talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm way. No, I know what you're saying. If if you struggle with some of the things that the the front office does to make sure that they can pay the bills, so you can show up and bitch about it, that's on you. Yep. Keep bitching about it. You know why they're going for an alcohol grab? Because uh, alcohol is one of the most financially stable and exuberant, and and it's the biggest money making what, enterprise in think, the world. Why do you think Vegas <laughs> is as financially supported as they are? One of their sponsors is who? It's a it's a company that literally sells dope. Okay, because mm -hmm. marijuana. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because marijuana is legal there. So if you have a let's say like if you're one of these people that's a far right person that has a problem with imbibing and whatever get over yourself don't if you're a far left person has a problem with chicken get over it the whole point is is that they're making they're doing whatever they have to do to make sure that they're creating a, as solid a financial base as they possibly can so we can have all these nice toys like a new stadium and there, there's going to be times where they they just can't afford to care about how you feel right and, and if you they, and, if, they, and and you have recourse as a supporter and this is the last thing i'm going to say about this before we get on to the, unless you i don't i don't mean to interrupt you man um I'm good. You have recourse. <laughs> we proved today that we have recourse. A bunch of people stood up, and it was a lot of people, said, look, this doesn't work. This brand does not work for us. It's bad. We have recourse. And in this particular issue, the front office listened, and they said, "That's this is not cool as far as what they did. Mm -hmm. Let's move on. Name another team that's done that. Right. It's been a whole... Name another team where... The front office literally said, okay, we're wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our FO came forward and said, "Yeah, we did. We made a mistake. Let's fix it." If if there are other things, name another one, right? I'm sorry. And if there's <laughs> other things that you don't like about who their sponsors are, be it uh, you know a stupid friggin' chicken biscuit or a, a <laughs> bottle of whiskey, I'm talking about both sides here. I'm not. I'm not picking sides <laughs> right, on this. Right, right. Okay, because there's people on one side that don't like the fact that people drink, which is insane to me, and then there's people on the other side that are mad about a chicken biscuit. Because whoever the company is belongs to some whatever. They're just as crazy to me. I, I just, whatever. The point is, is that they've got to do whatever they've got to do to get paid so we can have the experience that we do. And if you don't like it, engage in your recourse. Protest. Don't show up. Send them letters. Do whatever it is. But the choices you make affect you. Don't get Snickers as Not a sponsor us. because I'm allergic to peanuts. Right. The, the, the choices that you make in the long run are going to affect you. <laughs> And that's my point. So that's a method. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do, do what you nope. All right. So do we have any uh, parting? Uh, do we have any rim shots that we want to do that has nothing to do with this or anything else? United States indoor soccer still can't beat Mexico. Well, okay. <laughs> I have one. Uh, and I said it the last show two weeks ago. Uh, seasonal depression is a very important issue. Um, I know there are people that really struggle with this, and, the, and, and there's a lot of shame still, un unfortunately. Uh, as a person that has, and I've mentioned this, I've dealt with OCD, I've dealt with depression, I continue to. If you need help, get it. There's no shame in it. There's nothing wrong with it. We have professionals. There are people, we literally have professionals that can help you within our community. Um, there are uh, hotlines, there's numbers. Go out there and get them. Don't let that stop you from enjoying the season. Speaking of the season, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever, um, to everybody, that whatever you're doing. Um, I like the winter happy solstice. Saturnalia, happy winter, solstice. winter solstice, whatever it is, whatever it is that you do, mm -hmm. enjoy the hell out of it. 
Have a good Festivus. Festivus yeah. is great. If you yeah. Festivus for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Happy Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, good for you. Enjoy um, Kwanzaa. There's got to be more. Do we say Hanukkah? We said Hanukkah. You said Hanukkah. Right. Hanukkah. right. So yep. I don't, that's all I got, man. What do you got? Anything else? Uh, so we did get some bad news uh, from uh, from international leagues. Uh, it looks like Limerick FC finally folded. That was uh, Sean Russell's Sean team Russell's that he was having all the trouble with. That's right. Uh, from the way he's talking, he's probably got also going to end up retiring and moving on to something else. Really nice guy, and we just want to wish him well in whatever comes next. Did he, he got all his his injuries square away, he right? Did. He did, he get, did. The he get the surgery that he Good. needed. I but think he's, he's rehabbing now. I don't know for sure. But now you got a kid that you know because his club folded. Which mm-hmm. Ireland? I mean, I know I, um, Martin French, who I need to talk to about this because I know he's all over it. Ireland's football federation is a mess. I mean, we oh, talk yeah. about ours. They're a, they're a freaking train wreck. And um, uh, you have a kid that literally lost in this country. If you play for MLS and you're injured, you're good. You know they're going to take care of you. You can't say that they won't take care of you. They will. Yeah. Over there, not so much. And not just in Ireland. There's a bunch of countries that you know if you you get hurt playing for some club and now that, that club's defunct, you're done. Bye bye. You know go so they go stiffed so. him initially. Even yeah, exactly. They exactly. wouldn't even pay him initially. So you know. Uh, we talked a little bit in the beginning about you know the the mini marathon stuff. Hopefully you'll join. Hopefully you'll uh, kick in with that. Unless you guys got anything else, this has been an amazing show. Uh, Coach Hackworth was fantastic. He yeah. put up with us. Um, nice to say to stay so long when he's busy too. Right, man. Right. That man. He was that leg. Yeah, he's yeah. he's struggling. Yep. Right. So we got Mario Sanchez coming up next month. We also have another guest. We're just trying to nail the down the date down. It'll be a memorable You're going guest. to love the guest. Mm-hmm. It is going to be fantastic. I'm trust. Please trust me on this one. And trust us. It's going to be a wonderful. So just definitely keep your eyes open for that. Have a merry Christmas. I'm going to say merry Christmas to the people that did Christmas. Mm-hmm. If you're enjoying Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you're enjoying, enjoy your holidays, and just have fun, man. Have fun. This world is full of bad things. You can make a choice to follow the bad, or you can make a choice to engage in the good. And I hope you engage yep. in the good. I got nothing else. And if somebody wishes you a merry or a happy something you don't celebrate, you just say thanks, you too, because it was intended in a spirit of friendship and kindness. Exactly. Good is good. Good is good. Good is good. Love you guys. Uh, We're going to be back in uh, soon. Just follow us. Thank you and good night.